0: Today on Lockdown Red Wings, was the season a success? Breaking down Eiserman and Alone's end-of-season availability. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast. Well, Scotty's the host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com/NHL60. And use code NHL60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Uh, and today, Scotty, it's going to be a pretty straightforward episode uh, for the listeners. We teased it on Friday. We were going to talk about whether or not we believed this was a successful season for the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, we kind of, then we also got the Eisman and the Lalone media availability, but I think that folds kind of nicely into that topic as a whole as well, because you got to hear what their thoughts on the season. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to remind you guys. Robbie Fabry, hockey stick, game used. You got a few more days to enter. Again, you just enter by submitting via DMs or replies to our, our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram messages, again, or just DM us proof of your YouTube subscription, and then you're entered the win. And then we're going to pull that winner on Thursday's recording. So you won't find out until Friday. But so just so you know, Thursday will be the deadline. 420 will be the deadline to enter on that one. That one, by the way, is not planned out. That was completely. <clears throat> coincidental um and then Completely. also we haven't even mentioned either brian La- uh lashoff's retiring
1: yeah dude the dog
0: everyone's the dog in your eyes no uh, no that's <laughs> let's be honest with ourselves that's that's the dog he so he i always had a soft spot for brian lashoff and it's actually i didn't know his nickname in grand rapids was uh was it mr consistent something like that mr reliable
1: yeah and
0: it's such it's exactly why i always had a soft spot for him because when you called brian Lashoff up to the nhl you knew exactly what you were getting and you knew he was going to be competent and you knew he was going to be safe and just
1: he was the epitome of and i I say this in a successful connotation he was the epitome of a like well in baseball you call like a 4a player right like he he is the epitome of like he's going to give you top six production be a leader of men down at the ahl level um and if you need a spot filled at the NHL level, he will slide in and, and will not miss a beat like that is the, uh, the the epitome of him, a very, very successful career on the ice. A very, very honestly, cool career, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, with uh, especially toward the end there when he kind of became uh, the, uh, the like I said, kind of the the he was
0: public a mentor. leader.
1: Right. Yeah. Of uh, of. An AHL team, so yeah, massive, ma- big, big ups for sure, for sure. That's it, uh, that's a heck of a career.
0: He, he's very well respected within the organization, and obviously, he became the captain of the Grand Rapids Griffins and mentor. He received a nickname. They even uh, the day he retired was like Brian Lashoff Day. The mayor of Grand Rapids yeah, made it literally. Brian Lashoff Day, which is incredible. But like, even when he got traded a couple years ago as part of like a deal, oh, we um, forgot about that. He got traded to Tampa, I believe it was, but Tampa was like. Nah, you can like, we'll loan you to Grand Rapids so you can stay their captain and stay there. And then the Red Wings re-signed him in the offseason on an AHL level deal so he can stay there. So like clearly, he's a very well-respected person at all levels of the organization and was really important towards the development and the mentorship of the young players in Grand Rapids who could one day make the NHL level. So great career for um, Brian Lashoff, mad props to him. I always, I mean, from an undrafted free agent to playing 135 games, at the NHL level and becoming the captain of an AHL team. And I believe winning a Calder cup or two as he was on those rosters, I believe it yeah. was an impressive career for him. Con- yeah, congratulations. To Brian. A, yeah.
1: There's a picture of him hoisting that thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So
0: from there though, we got to move on because we have a jam packed episode and you guys know our episodes are only supposed to be 30 minutes long, but you know, we really crushed that. Yeah. We're really good at that. Uh, but yeah, Scotty, I mean, the question is simple do you view this season as a successful one for the Detroit Red Wings
1: well I mean you just want to jump you just want to answer that off ramp. I mean mm-hmm. I I do mm-hmm. I, I I think this is uh I think this was a successful season I do uh was it a like over expectations season was it a a you know the the doors got blown off and I'm like oh my goodness like I'm in a even different like, opinion or or mindset about this organization that I was like 6 8 months ago like no it it wasn't uh, uh, an overachieving season but was it a success i i think so i i think that you laid out a, a foundation you know who's is a part of your core going forward you got some youth some playing time you traded players at their uh, at, at the deadline you got some good value in return for the players you got rid of um yeah I I mean and the biggest thing as we mentioned and cited a lot throughout the season was are you going to be playing competitive hockey later in the year are the games going to matter at any point in the season and it was pre trade deadline even and I know that that's not you know like playing meaningful like close competitive meaningful hockey in you know like april or anything like that I understand that but um, I mean, there was a, a what two-week stretch there right before the, leading up to the trade deadline where uh, we were like standings watching for the first time in, what, eight years? So, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is a successful season. And the reason that I think that is because I think you laid a good foundation to take a big step forward and, and really do a lot of damage this offseason and, and, and put together a, a potentially a playoff team this fall.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and to add on to that, I would definitively say that this was a successful season because if you look at, from our perspective, Scotty, what we talked about at the beginning of the year, uh, we we spoke about improvements in the points category and improvements in the, the, the advanced stats category, and we we got all of that. Now, we talked about, so the over-under at the beginning of the year was set to 84.5 points. I, looking a bit optimistically, maybe just trying to will it into existence, took the over and was hoping for 85 points. Now the team finished with 80 just because they finished with 80. It's not a failure of a year because I understood when I said that, that going from 74 to 85 points an 11 point jump is incredibly hard to accomplish as a rebuilding team in the NHL. They got six more points. They went from 74 points to 80 points, which is three more wins, 32 wins to 35 wins. That's an improvement. If you look at from year to year, their Corsi four percentage, it has been, believe it or not, an improvement. Now this is where it's like you go from like one of the worst in the league to still pretty bad, but not as bad. So you take it with grains of salt. You know they went last year in twenty twenty two, they were the twenty eighth worst team in Corsi four percentage. They went to become the twenty sixth. If you look at goals for and goals against, they actually took a jump, a, a step down in production in goals 4, but that's not a surprise when you make note of the fact that Derek Lulone's system, and he even spoke about it in his own media availability, is primarily a defense-first mindset. So while their goals for per game went down in 2022, they were the – I should have written it down instead of just filtering it back and looking again. That's on me. They were 18th in the league for goals for last year, and now this year they were 28th, which is a, a steep jump down but their goals against per game improved from year over year as well.
1: Well, the, They the were 29th we... last
0: year in goals per game, goals against per game and 24th this year in goals against per game. So overall it was an improvement. And again, of four percentage will back you up on that one.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and even, you know, just looking more, I don't know, broad is maybe the word. Like we, we talked about it a lot, but every single well not every seven of eight teams in this division got better and like that's something that we cited going into the season too like in our in our season preview episode we were like hey you know we want to be one of the best teams in the league to miss the postseason we want to be right on the edge of that Um, and I I guess you would say that they a a little bit you know again like they, they it's not like they had a chance to make the postseason in the last two weeks of the season or anything like that but they didn't get mathematically eliminated until you know a few games left and Uh, the yeah like I I I don't know I think that this is a I, I still think that this is a successful season and I still think that given what we set out to accomplish going into the year that we checked all of those boxes well enough for me to to deem this successful and again as I said at the beginning like Every other team outside of the Habs got better, like everyone in this division got better. So, uh, yes, you know, standings wise, you didn't you weren't the 17 seed in the NHL or anything like that, but um, you, you still took steps forward and improved your point total, even despite seven other teams or six other teams, I guess, not including you getting better in your own division.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and there is one more thing, you know, obviously it was incremental improvements. And like you said, the team stayed competitive until the end. Um, But there is one category that we set out at the beginning of the year, besides just points um, that we wanted to definitively see as something that took a I wouldn't say leap, but a step forward this year. They did, and we'll talk about that. But first, I got to talk to you guys about Athletic Greens. This next partner is a product you got to use literally every day. Start taking AG1 because with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. Start taking AG1 because it's lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar with no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated routine of supplements to recover. It cost him $100 a day, but guess what? The founder created Athletic Greens, and it's going to cost you less than $3 a day, and it's cheaper than that cold brew habit to get an all-in-one nutritional insurance, and it has over 7000 five-star reviews, and is trusted by professional athletes everywhere. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different supplements and pills to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate – Daily nutritional insurance. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, there is one other category where I think the Red Wings, we we said at the beginning of the season, at at, set out, they needed to improve on to make this season a success, and that is special teams. And believe it or not, guys, special teams took a pretty, especially the penalty kill, took a pretty damn big leap forward. Now, they were 32nd in the league in penalty kill last year. So it's hard to get worse than that. I think we said that at the beginning of the year as well.
1: And it, it's been like a historic pace for the last two seasons before this one. So yes. like, yeah, very low bar. But
0: we we set out and we said that we wanted the power play and the penalty kill to finish somewhere between 10 and 20 in the league. We wanted them to be middle of the pack. We wanted the five on five to be middle of the pack too. We didn't get that. Um, but that's just, again, new regime, new coaching. It's going to take time for systems to get implemented. The special teams, though, did take a step forward this year under the Detroit Red Wings new coaching staff. Uh last year they were 32nd in the league in penalty kill this year 18th in the league with a 79%, way better than their near 74% last year. Uh Yeah, I mean but, you,
1: not you don't we weren't even asking to be great just you know the fact that the you pack. went from as bad as you were to even like a middle of the pack like you were you were a middle 10 like penalty kill like that's yeah, that that's a win, and then next year you take another step forward. Like that's a, we'll we'll take that for a one to one year uh, sample. Power
0: play did the same exact thing last year. It was 26th in the league with a 16.3 percent success rate. This year, it was 17th in the league with a 21 percent success rate. So that was also middle of the pack. Where we asked them to be between 10 and 20, be somewhere in that range. And th- you guys might be listening and thinking, wow, they're calling it a successful season just for being middle of the pack at best. But that's because you and I, Scotty, we understand what this team was and what this team wasn't. We came into the season saying at best they would get a wild card team or wild card spot. And that's, that is if Boston um, falls off and Ottawa doesn't live up to expectations. That didn't happen. Ottawa was competitive throughout most of the season, even though they actually ended up getting eliminated like an hour before you did, which is ironic in the end, but Boston found new heights and then Florida, Toronto and Tampa were still competitive. Although it took Florida a little while to find their, find their groove. So they ended up finishing right where we expected them to be. We expected them to be outside the playoffs in the 80 point range and have taken a step forward with individual players as well as a team game. And they did. And that's why Scotty, in my opinion, despite missing the playoffs for what, the seventh straight year, it was a successful season because we saw improvement.
1: Yeah. I I'm, I'm obviously lockstep with you. And yeah, like, I I don't want to make this sound like a, like a loser's mentality, like thing, like nobody likes missing the postseason. Obviously we all want to get back there. That's, that's the goal year in and year out. And you know, for a glorious, whatever it was, 10 days in March, we we were uh, we were kind of trying to alter our expectations to try to make that push, and obviously it didn't happen. But um, no, like th- this is this is just comparing our preseason expectations to what happened through 82 games, and when you compare what the two of us individuals thought we were going to accomplish this season, they checked pretty much every box of what we wanted them to, and, yeah. and so. Uh, Another step forward needs to be taken next year. Obviously, a very, very, very important offseason. Um, but if you're just lining up what Brian and I thought that, uh, that the Wings could and should accomplish this season, uh, they did most of that.
0: Absolutely. And another thing, too, um, this was the first season in I don't know how long that the Red Wings actually had players, individuals on the team that finished the year with over a 50% Corsi four percentage, 50% Fenwick, 50% expected goals four percentage. Um, and that comes the way of, you know, we should, this is tough too, because at the top of these lists, you always get guys who only played a handful of games because a smaller sample size benefits them if they had played well. So like Tyler Bertuzzi technically finished with 29 games, played with 50.34%, but he got traded. So really the list begins with Jake Walman. Jake Wolman in his 63 games played had a 50.19 Corsi 4 percentage. He had a 51.36 Fenwick. He had a 52.31 expected goals 4 percentage. Across a year, that's very good. The bar is 50. So if you're anywhere above 50, that means when you were on the ice, you were a benefit to the team. Jake Wolman was one of those guys. He was the only player on the team with an above 50% Corsi 4 percentage. But if you take away blocked shots, because that's what Fenwick is. If you take away blocked shots on shot attempts, um, there were several players on the team that had an above 50%. Fenwick, you got Zadina in his limited 30-game stint, 51.55. You had, again, Bertuzzi, Soderblom in his 21 games, David Perron and Dylan Larkin. So, again, that's just a small achievement. It doesn't really mean much in the end of things, but it's kind of like a feather in the cap that you finally, in one year, had guys in the team who we're better than the opponent when they're on the ice. It doesn't mean anything. I understand that in the grand scheme of things, but it's it's nice to see individual players be guys who can when they're on the ice, the team possesses the puck more than the other team. Like that's not nothing either.
1: No, it's. Def- I don't think it's nothing at all. I I think that's a pretty a pretty uh, you know you know we're not going to raise a banner or anything, obviously, but that's a I think that's a pretty big thing to to point out. And I mean, if you're talking about like individual side of things. Sure. There were some players that uh, maybe we expected a little bit more of over the course of the full season. Like Raymond is someone that everyone loves to argue about these days for whatever reason, but uh, like there might not be a bigger success story in the entire wings organization than Jake Wallman this season. Like that's that, that is a, it, it should not be overlooked or forgotten how like massive of a win that is for this organization. This was a guy that, was not really talked about a ton when when that trade happened and uh was somebody that, you know, like certainly we we thought we wanted to get playing time out of and get solid minutes out of and whatnot. But for him to do so well this year that he jumped all the way to first pairing D man for a majority of the season and got an extension and all that like I'm not sure there's a bigger win, it, it, literally, in the entire organization.
0: Yeah, and not to say this was a perfect year either, though, right? I mean, there are still no, plenty of areas not. where I wish they had done better. Five-on-five five play was a huge sticking point the entire season. Um, while the this defense, is still not a playoff
1: team. Yeah, no, like, obviously.
0: <laughs> uh, scoring was low, lower than it was last year. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that's just a consequence of the type of system that the Red Wings are looking to run right now. Um, And it's going to take a little while for that to groove. And because, you know, good defense will lead to good scoring and vice versa, though. True. Um, But as well as just the fact that they couldn't stay healthy, that's not really a failing. That's not like, I mean, you can't put put that on anyone and it happens to every team. But like losing guys like Rasmussen and Wallman, that just stunk. Absolutely stunk. And plus, I mean, you want to talk, if we were, maybe we should do like a team awards episode. Because when you're talking team MVP this year, I mean, obviously Larkin's going to be in there with his career high in points but Walman and Rasmussen they're right there as well in my opinion.
1: Yeah, fact, I mean Ras was was definitely another one that's kind of in the same conversation as Walman as as having taken a a big step forward and kind of solidifying a role going forward when uh when going into the season I think a lot of people for both of them didn't certainly didn't expect uh the Walman thing but we're we're probably a little shaky on Ras even becoming like a whatever solidified middle six forward.
0: And when we're going to take another quick break, but when we come back, we're kind of going to talk about that because both alone and Eiserman spoke to the media and the season availability. And they mentioned what they thought was a successful parts of the season and failure um, and failures shortcomings this year as well. And I bet you can probably guess where Rasmussen and woman fall on their side of the, on the meter. So we'll talk about that in segment three of lockdown, red wings. Segment three, lockdown, red wings podcast, uh, Newsy and Eiserman spoke to the media on it, Friday, I think it was. And uh, they had a lot to say. They were asked a lot. Eiserman had a 50 minute presser. I was so shocked that he said, spoke for that long. But of course, you know, typical Eiserman stuff, they ask him a question and he answers it in a way where you can't really take anything of substance. Yeah. But what I really liked is when they asked him about, uh, asked him and alone about guys who were in particular, huge. I know Lalone spoke a lot about how important Rasmussen was to this team's motor this year, that Rasmussen was a top six forward and that you can, he's like, you can divide it. I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the direct quotes written, but he's like, before Rasmussen was hurt and after Rasmussen hurt, like how much the team changed. And he's right, to be honest. Now the team five on five wise was bad all year long, but there was certainly like a piece of the motor that seemed to have gone missing once Rasmussen was injured.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's – for a team that really la- – I mean, you want talk about some of the downsides of the season or areas for improvement still. Like, this team very much still needs to establish itself as some a team who can hang with others physically. Like, this is a, a, a team that really got bullied at times, especially by a few specific teams this year. Um, and to lose that – size that you did have the the little size that you do have to lose pretty much all of it uh with one player especially post deadline and everything with uh like sunquist and, and whatnot gone that, that definitely was a was a big blow but production wise too i mean he like i said he really established established himself as a as a really productive kind of bottom six forward for, remember uh, for your team
0: remember the redwood line all gone I know Rasmussen season ending injury. Sunquist traded Elmer Soderblom hurt, sent down hurt again, just no luck. Um, but Eiserman had a quite a few interesting little tidbits. He gave us about young players in the system as well. And I'd make sure I want to get to this because talking about Carter Mazur and Amadeus Lombardi, Car- uh, Eiserman had this to say, he said that he see, he sees Carter Mazur as an NHL caliber player. And he sees that as sooner rather than later. In terms of that. Now, of course, that doesn't imply when soon is when later is, but he talked about like next season and, or the season after that for Carter Mazer, which I'm like, he, he said that he likes everything that Mazur got has like his vision, his speed yes. uh, he goes to the right places. And he talked about Amadeus Lombardi too. He said he had a fantastic year in the Flint Firebird system, which we obviously already know, but also that he was a fun little player. Uh, which is so like he's like 5'9 or 5'10. He's an undersized winger. It's absolutely yeah. true. It's gonna be his biggest hurdle to overcome. Like, I know I'm hyped up on Amadeus Lombardi uh because of his his ceiling, but his size is gonna be something to overcome. He's only like 170 pounds, five foot nine. He's small, and so playing against men, NHL, AHL, he's gonna have to overcome that. But he, he definitely did see a path to the NHL for Amadeus Lombardi and, and made note to be like that's like he could be a productive winger he says that size he saw him as a i believe he said he saw his him him being the type of player who could o- overcome that size and be a productive winger kind of yeah. like you know other guys we have seen <laughs> in the league that yeah know, for not sure not to that extent i'm not trying to compare him to like johnny goudreau but that no, can overcome the sure. size
1: I, I mean yeah like obviously that's the goal but um I don't know. I, I, I just every time we have a conversation about, you know, like the future or whatnot, I just get really excited for like this upcoming season. I, yeah. I just I this offseason is going to be important. Obviously, you're going to see more kids play. There's going to be more call ups. I, I think this upcoming season is going to be really fun.
0: Yeah. He also said he loved Sebastian Costa's attitude. So that's the biggest thing that um, he's loved about him is that even though despite the struggles, his attitude has been really good about it, always working to get better. And then he finished in ECHL very strong this year. And when asked whether or not he'd take over the reins in Grand Rapids, he basically said, if he takes over the reins, he'll take it over because he took it over. It's not going to be given to him.
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, that's what you want to hear. That's what you want. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, They asked, both were asked about Lucas Raymond's season and, they both basically said the same thing. It was okay. Some yeah. players struggle in their second year and he'll have to learn to overcome that, which is pretty much where we're at. We're not writing off Lucas Raymond.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, no, <laughs> I, it's been such a weird, I don't know, conversation dialogue surrounding him this year. Um. I, I just, I really hope he gets off to a hot start next year so that we can kind of just like put that stuff to bed. But yeah, he's still got some areas to work on for sure. I mean, we talk about size; like that's another thing that uh, he needs to kind of re—not assert himself, but kind of prove that the the physicality isn't going to be, you know, overmatched or overbearing at this level. And um, definitely needs to to convert on some more chances too, because the yeah the the dialogue again, like surrounding him after his rookie year versus after his sophomore year within the fan base is, is it's quite crazy different.
0: Yeah. You go from hearing people talk about him as like a 40 goal scorer to that people trying to trade him off because he's a bust. And it's like the kid's 20. <laughs> so yeah. I think 21 now, but it's like Holy cow, like slow down people. Um, yeah. There's so much to get to and just not enough time to do it, but we have a packed week ahead of us. So we'll try to get to as much as this. Long possible. Off season. Um, they asked about his assistant coaches alone. And he said, he expects them all to be back. He said, obviously there'll be conversations with Eisenman, but he liked everything that they saw this year out of them. And honestly, like I obviously five on five again is a huge sticking point, but that's not something that's going to be fixed in one year. And nor do I think you should do a turnover in your coaching staff in your first year. Like it, it takes a while for systems to be implemented. Like you need at least two years yeah. <laughs> to really see it, uh, an improvement. So I'm, I'm all aboard that. If you ask me.
1: Yeah, same. I, well, and again, like, I, I don't know if there's any, coaching changes you could make to like fix what you want to improve in like overnight. Yeah. (laughs) Like you just got to, you know, you, you invested in this head coach. You just got to see it through.
0: And then they also asked, or I guess this isn't really a question more of a statement, but Lalone admitted during the press conference that this team wasn't a playoff team and he didn't see them as a playoff team. He's like, he even said, I would never say this during the season to the players because I want them to fight but even throughout the season in the back of my mind looking at the teams they they were playing against he couldn't see them winning a seven game series against anyone and that's why they're not playing monday or tuesday because they they couldn't get there but he did give credit to the leadership group because he said at one point the leadership group came in and said if we just win uh, go 9 and 3 in the next 12 games you know we can be right there and they, they really believed that it was something that they could do and it was possible and Malone said he looked at like the schedule and was like how are we going to do this and then he said they went eight and two right. <laughs> so he said that the fact that they were in it as long as they were had as much to do with the players drive to try and compete as it did to any kind of system they were implementing that even though he didn't see this team as a playoff team they fought hard to stay in that race as long as possible which I, I love that I love yeah, that, that so big. much Absolutely. Such, just to know that the locker room, even like, even though you don't have a Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, the locker room is still fighting tooth and nail to try and get there. That just it shows the drive that this team has, that this core new core is getting.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, that's that's important. You need identity and you need leadership. Absolutely. And then
0: Vili Husso, They were both asked about Ville, Huso, and they both kind of had the same answer. They thought they both basically said it was a combination of workload and injury, um, workload. And this is something that we I kind of went off on Billy Huso a few episodes back. And something was brought up to me later was a great comment. Just be like, you got to keep in mind that this is his first year as like a starter. He's played 20 more games than he ever has in a single season in his NHL career. So he'd get worn down, especially behind, albeit an improved defense. Still not like a league average defense. And uh, that's definitely partly part, part of it. You saw the dip in his play begin before he got hurt. And then both Eisman and Lalonde admitted like, even though physically he was ready to play again, maybe mentally he was not because they had told him and he was planned to not play again. And he was shut down essentially. And then all of a sudden plans changed and he was able to play again. So they thought that maybe he was workload and then mentally he was just not there last few games. And that's why yeah. we didn't get, which is fair. I mean, I'm not giving up on who, so I was just definitely frustrated at the performances, but there's, there's definitely a fairness to that, that I, I will admit to.
1: For sure. Well, well, and and we've talked about it so much, including that same episode you're you're referencing there. Like the future of goalie pre cosa era beginning is still like uh, very much a, a debated and and fascinating conversation. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see what they do. We'll we'll see. What they definitely are bringing someone in because they just like don't have another goalie right now at the NHL yeah. level outside of Huso. Like I don't think they're bringing back either of the other two that uh, played between the pipes this year outside of him. So we'll we'll see what the future looks like. But uh, I mean, it, it could range from anything from like Huso's net, we get a backup to we go out and try and inquire somebody that's gonna be uh you know one A one B kind of a closer to an even split. Or I mean I don't know. Or they just go crazy and try to acquire like one of the better goalies in the league and make, uh, make Huso a backup. I don't know. I, I that one probably seems a little far fetched. But you have the assets to pull off trades. So uh, we'll see. There, there's a lot of variants that can come with uh, what the immediate future of goalie looks mm-hmm. like, and Huso obviously is going to be involved in that. So
0: I completely agree. Uh, they obviously asked alone about who would be making the team next year. And of course, just like last year, he said, whoever earns it, which is the right response. But in regards to Edmondson and Casper, he basically said that if they could push somebody out of a roster spot, then they were going to start the season. And that he even implied that Johansson would have gotten a look at the NHL level had he not gotten hurt, which yeah is kind of common
1: sense because he was playing so good. Yeah, we, kind of <laughs> we talked about that a lot, yeah. We thought he was going
0: to get called up, and then we found out he was hurt. And
1: it's like, right, <laughs> yeah, then we were reminded. Um, that's cool, though. It's awesome. Again, like, even if they don't make the team healthy competition or, like, setting a bar where, like, okay, if we're going to bring in a free agent, they got to be whatever, at least good enough to to hold one of these kids down for a little bit longer or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's that's – Uh, a a good bar and a good a good system to establish
0: and then lastly the last thing i'm going to say i think it's the last of the important ones to really talk about uh they asked eisman about free agency and he said that he's of course going to be active in every regard he said draft trade free agency he's going to be as active as possible but he's of course He can't guarantee he's going to get anyone because that's not how it works. But he did admit that it's a smaller group of players that they're looking at than it was last year, which is something that I think everyone is going to say across the board. He said, for whatever reason, free agency is like smaller this year. Not as many big name players hitting the free agent market. So he's going to look at all options. He even talked about, they asked him about all those draft picks and maybe moving them. And he said, I'm going to look at all options. He did make no. He's like, I'm not going to do anything out of desperation. He says, if I can get a player, an impact player to make this team better Immediately, I will, but I'm not going to do anything out of desperation. It has fit, True. you know, he, he said he's going to weigh the short-term and the long-term options.
1: For sure. And, uh, I mean, that's great to hear, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, it's like classic would speak. Like, awesome. That That's that's great. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's you know, the goal, and, and I hope that that comes to fruition. But he basically said, like, I'm going to try to do this, but, like, if I don't, you know, that's possible too. So, like, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, sure. Yeah. He, he covered all bases. He literally talked about every single possibility um, uh, involving, you know, adding big name players. So,
0: overall, um, safe, so-
1: but vital offseason, as we've said a million times.
0: Overall, it felt like both of them felt it was a step in the right direction, but were not. Super impressed with the season they had, which I think is a very fair reaction. We yeah, call it a successful I, season, but it's not like we're over the moon. We missed, so the Red Wings still missed the playoffs. Oh, so, no, yeah.
1: I mean, that's, that's where I, I think that that's where kind of we're at too. Like it, it's, you accomplished everything you set out to accomplish going into the year, but you didn't, you didn't exceed any of those really either. No. You didn't, uh, like that, believe it or not. And I know that we're like Detroit sports fans. So like this is, kind of crazy when you hear that it exists but like believe it or not some teams overperform what they're supposed to do like I guess the Lions a little bit we had last year but like some teams actually like do better than what is expected of them sometimes and it's been a long time since we've seen that and again like before the Lions last year it was probably uh, uh oh geez maybe a decade since we have seen that between any of these teams so uh, like it's, it's, that is possible. Like, the, and again, that's why I'm kind of in this, like was successful, but you know, I'm not throwing a parade either. Like the, this, the, there, yeah. this was right. This was still a, a bottom 10 finish in the NHL. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, and again, like you flared out at the end and whatnot and you were in it in the middle of the season and you didn't get eliminated late. Like I understand all that, but, um, optically like it, it, you, you, you could have done better. You could have improved on more. And there's still a lot of shortcomings uh, on this team on, you know, April 17th.
0: Absolutely. All right, Scotty. Is there any final thoughts that you have to, you'd like to share? We will. We'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. We have an interview scheduled to begin our draft profiles from on uh, Tuesday, rather. So, because t- by the time you listen to this, it's Monday. Um, but of course anything can happen, anything can change. So we're not going to, we're not going to reveal who it is yet. I f- cause you never know what's going to happen, but we're scheduled yeah. to have a draft profile tomorrow. So stay tuned. Same time, same place, your team every day, every day.